Hello, my name is Memta Minhas, and this is Creating Third Spaces, a podcast about art, identity, resistance, and Toronto, but it's also about so much more. I'm a master's student in the Communication and Culture program at York and Ryerson University, and this podcast series is my final project for this degree. I aim to highlight South Asian artists in the greater Toronto area, which for context include the municipalities of Durham, Peel, York, Halton, and the City of Toronto, to investigate how their art has helped them to form their identity, to create space to tell their stories, and acts as a form of transformative resistance. I interviewed five incredible women who have been practicing art in the GTA for quite some time now, some of them all of their careers, about the themes I just mentioned, but we also talked about a lot more. They've generously allowed me to share these recordings with you. I hope this podcast will bring attention to these artists and their stories, to bring their stories from the margins to the center, to center brown women who are creating amazing works that are challenging hegemonic discourses of what it means to be South Asian. A major reason for this podcast is to create meaningful visibility and representation so people who are South Asian and part of the diaspora and beyond can feel seen. But my intentions are also incredibly selfish. This project is for me. I want to make my position as a daughter of Indian immigrants clear. Growing up in suburbia in a predominantly white community, I resented my brownness for a long time. It made me stick out like a sore thumb and my parents were traditional Indians, so there was no way of getting around it. I had long, thick black hair, the different subjis sandwiched in my whole wheat bread. My name was mispronounced by every teacher inciting giggles. I wasn't allowed to go to the mall because my parents were overly concerned. Combined with the constant microaggressions I faced while working in a grocery store as a teenager, it sucks so much as a young person, especially when there's very few that can relate. Sometimes I hated myself because of these feelings of unbelonging and loneliness, but the thing is, I wasn't alone. I came to realize every other child of immigrants in my school, albeit small, was feeling similar feelings. I was lucky enough to have a community of friends, many of them women of color, who just understood me and we could collectively not go to sleepovers together. I have come to unlearn a lot of my internalized racism and difficult feelings towards my culture, beginning in university where I began to understand why I felt this shame, a byproduct of colonialism, racism, and ongoing otherness. One way I did this understanding and unlearning was through my art. I wrote pages and pages of poetry to express my Indianness, mixed in with my Canadianness, to have an outlet to express my frustration to the world, or a group of students in a university coffee shop. When I started my graduate degree, these questions and ideas about representation, art and identity, belonging and home were still swirling around in my head, which led me to this podcast. I want to center the stories of people like me. I want to talk about these difficulties. I want to come into a hybridity of sorts, one of the main themes of this podcast. Visual artist Mira Sethi from Toronto explains how her art relates to her own experiences. In a sense, my art is quite personal to my life. So um, the themes um, and the ideas, they sort of originate in feelings or thoughts that I have in relation to my position, sort of my shifting position as a South Asian person, as a woman, as a queer person. And I find them quite closely related. So I feel like my practice um, so far has been quite sort of intimately connected to my life. This is what this podcast means to me, and it's closely related to my life. I want to know what can art do in terms of forming identity and becoming a means of transformative resistance? 
How do these artists create space to express themselves, despite the marginalization they face in multiple facets of their lives? How do different aspects of identity intersect and influence their art? For the first episode, I want to focus on people's intimate relationship with their identity, how their life experiences and who they are shapes their art and vice versa. I want to understand how this circle of art making happens, but this is a theme we come back to throughout the podcast. Being part of the South Asian diaspora, I've always felt weird about the word South Asian. It sounded so academic, so institutional. And these feelings aren't exactly from left field. South Asia and South Asian have been terms that have been criticized by the community because it wasn't chosen by those from South Asia or those part of the diaspora. During the Second World War, to make strategic planning easier, American anthropologists and geographers rejected classifying the world into continents and instead favored classifying regions. They thought these regions, including South Asia, consisted of countries with similar cultures, ideas, and ways of life, even though, newsflash, this wasn't the case back then and still isn't. Even what makes up the region of South Asia is up for debate. Most agree to include Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and India, while countries such as Afghanistan, Nepal, Myanmar, the Maldives, and Tibet are still debated. In my case, I include these countries when speaking of South Asia as a whole. So what to make of this term, and why do I still use it? I think that's complicated. It continues to be used by the people of the diaspora, and it does have unifying qualities, as the region today has different but interconnected histories, economies, and politics. One must be careful to use it in a Western context where it can be used to homogenize this region and continue Orientalist narratives that other the diaspora. Knowing this, I will be careful to use this term and be as specific as I can when speaking about places in South Asia. I also use the term brown and brownness because that's another term I identify with more. You'll hear the interviewees use this term to describe themselves and South Asian culture. The South Asian diaspora, or diasporas, has a long and complicated history that is marked by colonization and violence, but also by hope and opportunity. Migration in and out of this region has been occurring for centuries. Emigration from this region increased after the Second World War as Western countries began to open their borders, but also because many of these countries were gaining independence from British rule, unsettling populations with the partition of India and Pakistan and many times leading to violence. Prior to these events, most migrating occurred to Southeast Asia, East Asia, East Africa, the Caribbean, Mauritius, and Fiji. Some of these people were forcibly emigrated because of colonial indentured slavery, while others in surrounding areas of South Asia were working class individuals. This is why there continues to be a large population of the diaspora in these regions. In total, there are about 30 million people of the South Asian diaspora worldwide, carrying parts of their culture and traditions with them. This showcases the diversity of the South Asian diaspora coming from and living in various places. This podcast could have been hundreds of episodes looking into the many transnational communities and different generations of people of the diaspora. I wanted to focus on first and second generation immigrants in the GTA, as this is something I am familiar with. And well, I'm living in the city of Toronto. It also happens to have the largest population of South Asians in Canada, 
according to the most recent census data. However, only interviewing five artists in the city can be seen as a limitation, as they do not wholly represent the South Asian diasporic community in the GTA, let alone Canada. There are many more stories to be told. That being said, these artists provided valuable insights into their lives, and I'm so excited to share those with you. Mira, who you heard at the beginning of the episode, is one of these artists. She works with textiles and fibers in her art along with paint. An important concept to her art and this podcast is hybridity. She explains what hybridity means to herself and her work. Up until this point, a lot of the work I've done has been very much related to my own healing journey, whether that's experiences I had growing up, whether that's migration um, that, you know, that I undertook as a a very young child, um, whether that's a racism I faced, um, things like this. So hybridity to me, I I tend to, I I have thought about it quite a bit, or I've, I've felt it quite a bit more than even thought about it. It feels like a very felt experience of bring together two or more kind of broad aspects of who I am and and trying to create a cohesive whole that sort of smooths over the rough edges, smooths over the parts that don't fit, smooths over the parts that other people maybe deem confusing or um, challenging. So it's this process of healing, really, and, and, and caring for myself um, through making art. Hybridity is a concept that exists in multiple realms of academia, but is a very real experience for many, especially first- and second-generation immigrants growing up in countries very different from their parents. As the blurring of boundaries between these multiple and diverse cultures continues, it combines and mixes different identity elements across cultural, national, and ethnic boundaries, so individuals and ethnic minorities can negotiate their own personal feelings into an identity, creating what post-colonial scholar Homi Baba calls a third space, a concept that inspired the name of this podcast. Third space is an in-between space, created as cultures collide. It gives rise to something new and different, and becomes a place hybrid identities can form and exist, or it can become a way to express this third space and who you are. Hybrid identity aids in the art-making process as individuals can use the concept of hybridity to create new forms of South Asianness that can be negotiated, redefined, and reconstructed with art. These multiple perspectives can also be used to challenge hegemonic or colonial ideas that encourage assimilation and instead allows individuals to reposition themselves away from Eurocentric norms. These Eurocentric and Western norms and ways of thinking persist today in society, as they tend to be centered and are seen as status quo, while demonizing the knowledges, ideas, cultures, and in turn people who are not part of the West. Some may think Canada's multicultural policy that protects cultural rights and advocates for social justice and diversity within Canadian institutions prevents this kind of behavior. Yet this policy is far from perfect and has been criticized by many scholars for not doing enough. Immigrants, people of color, black folks, and indigenous folks continue to face financial and income disparities compared to their white counterparts. Our culture industries are not representative of our country and many times misrepresent marginalized communities in the media, perpetuating negative stereotypes and tropes in order to appear diverse. This creates feelings of unbelonging and isolation among these communities. 
South Asian people specifically living post 9-11 are portrayed as criminals, backwards, and deviants. That's not to say in recent years there haven't been strides for greater representation, but this goes beyond just seeing someone on the screen. It's about whose stories get to be told. These systemic barriers immigrants, people of color, indigenous folks, and black folks face can make it difficult to have a sense of identity. Young people receive conflicting messages and ideas from their family to school to larger representations in the media. This can create challenges unique to ethnic minority youth. Hybridity can become a useful tool for these young people. As part of the way young people create and negotiate their identity, when they receive these kinds of conflicting ideas is through this concept, as seen with Mira, who describes hybridity as a way to heal and feel whole. Additionally, Mira mentioned the migration she took as a young child really shaped her growing up and also impacted her identity. Every year, she would travel to New Delhi, India for her summer holiday. She explains it helped her build strong connections to her family in India, but would come back to Toronto feeling out of place. As a child, I would bring those experiences back to um, to school, to Canada, because I'd come back sort of the beginning of September and there would be this like strong juxtaposition of hot summers, of, uh, you know, um, a lot of movement, a lot of family, a lot of excitement, um, and come back here and land here in September, you know, it's cold air, the sort of the, um, the earlier nights, um, the tones of the grays and the browns and, and the snow sort of coming a, few, a month or two later, the sense of school and the sense of not fitting in in school as a brown girl and, and having a very small family here as well. Um, all of that really impacted, I think, just who I am. And since my art draws from who I am, that just, you know, became a subject um, or that just became an area, you know, that I really needed to pay attention to. And I, and I found that art was a great way to do that. Identity and migration are intricately tied because of how unsettling and destabilizing migration can be, and these shifting contexts can displace people's sense of self. Stuart Hall argues that the debate around identity needs to be situated in migration and globalization that have, quote, disrupted the relatively settled characters of many populations, end quote. Therefore, it is no surprise that Mira's trips to India created lots of tension in who she thought she was. Her ability to use art to understand herself and her place resulted in some pieces that exemplify this hybridity. Take Intersections, for example, a four-story mural at the corner of Church and Wellesley that celebrates queer and trans-South Asian history and activism in Toronto. It's made up of crisscrossing colorful lines that include gold and shades of brown, and these patterns represent textiles and fabrics that are significant to many South Asian cultures. It is a physical representation of the hybridity of the South Asian queer community. The mural gestures to the work of organizations and events such as Dost and Desh Pradesh that have worked in curating South Asian community and cultural programming in Toronto, something Mira wanted to draw attention to. The mural for me was a marking of various both uh, social and activist organizations that specifically worked with and for and were created by queer and trans South Asian communities in uh, Toronto. 
And so I wanted to mark this very important intersection of our city that often forgets about the communities of color that also have had um, an important part to play in the creation of queer and trans identity in, in Canada. South Asians have a long history in Toronto, creating and organizing spaces for art. There are institutions like the South Asian Visual Arts Centre and a permanent collection in the Rome. Thesh Pradesh was an annual festival that ran from 1988 to 2001. It showcased queer South Asian artists while connecting to other marginalized communities. This mural was a representation of this history, but also became a site of resistance when many queer South Asians gathered in front of it to protest Section 377 of the Indian Penal Code which criminalized consensual gay sex, and eventually this part of the code was struck down in 2018. But I think these events showcase why it's important to tell these stories and create visibility, as this art piece went beyond its intended purpose. Another exhibition that did well for Mira was Upping the Auntie, that was picked up by CBC and NPR. She explains what it means here. I was uh, interested in thinking about what and who is fashionable and how that gets um, how that gets created, how that gets promoted, how that gets suggested. And um, I was actually with a group of friends and we were just having a conversation. And instead of using the term upping the ante, someone said upping the ante and it really stuck. And it was quite sort of this tongue in cheek way of suggesting that our aunties actually have uh, have had a big role in raising us or have had a big role in influencing us and in terms of c- the creation of community and their sense of fashion, their sense of their own sense of hybridity of putting things together in their own unique ways has not been celebrated. In fact, it's been the opposite of celebrated. An auntie is someone who is generally your mother's age. Here, Mira is creating positive representation for women who are rarely seen in popular culture. Her paintings are inspired from actual pictures she took of aunties on the streets of Toronto and India, and then she recreated the looks in paint. You have Preeti Auntie, with the Mughal-inspired kurta and a snapback with six written across it, a nickname for the city of Toronto. Or Pinky Auntie, who carries an iPad and wears the heck out of a floral kameez and color-coordinated sneakers. Oddly enough, Pinky Auntie reminded me of my own mother, who can't be separated from her own iPad using it every day to connect with my aunties in India. These paintings are challenging the fashion world, which can be seen very elitist by centering aunties in their style while showcasing how aunties can express their hybridity through their dress. I think this shows one way hybridity can be used to challenge hegemonic norms and ideas, in this case, fashion. As Mira becomes more comfortable in her hybridity and her brownness, her ideas are becoming more broad and moving away from talking about her own specific experiences. One project she is working on is called Outerwear and features a series of coats that look like regular coats on the outside, but on the inside reveal a whole host of treasures. Her reasoning behind this project showcases how detailed her art can be. Um, the pivot point of the project, which is the sense of protection and the sense of protecting not just our bodies um, from the climate and the temperature, but also protecting in a sense, offering a sense of protection for our journeys and our stories and our memories, um, our politics, our histories. And and so what's inside the coat is there's an option to share it or not. You know, it it does protect, but also it can be opened up and it, it can be shared. Despite moving away from her own personal story, 
Migration continues to be an important part of Muir's work, as these coats are meant to showcase people's journeys and stories. Migration has also influenced Mizbah Ahmed, a visual artist and illustrator who has become well-known in the city for her zines and ceramic pieces. She describes how her recent trip to Pakistan, after nearly a decade of not visiting, impacted her creativity. In just in general, my surroundings are constantly uh, inspiring my work, and a lot of my work is like spaces and people. So going there and like revisiting a place that I haven't been to in so long, and it's just so different. Like I, I, I have traveled a lot, but like I haven't been back home in so long, and it's so different than the Western world. Like I've, I've mostly just traveled in the states and the UK. Once you leave this boring Western place, like you go back to this this region that is like full of so much more diversity and vibrance and like it's like really beautiful. <laughs> so just I don't see how it couldn't have, you know, absolutely made me obsessed with the visuals and stuff. An example of this inspiration were ceramic pieces of packaged milk and a crumpled up juice box, which she showed me during the interview. Yeah, juice boxes. I just make a lot of trash, you know, like <laughs> like literal trash. Yeah, <laughs> this artwork is not trash. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just like the like it as an object. I, I guess I love um, package design sometimes. And what's what's this milk pack like? Yo, I went to Pakistan and they have boxed milk, like juice boxes milk, and it's like green because of I guess the country. Her pieces were incredibly detailed, including nutritional information and ingredients on the sides. Ms. Bus Trip could be seen as revitalizing parts of herself that she hasn't felt comfortable with, as she explains. I think I'm always trying to like represent South Asian or brown as an extension of that or non-binary bodies in my work. Maybe unintentionally, but no, it's definitely intentional, but like it's sort of internalized in the way I practice what I do. So I think that's like how it comes through. And I guess like my trip definitely was a lot of inspiration for the work I've been doing this past year. For Mizba, hybridity and liminality, meaning existing in an in-between space, is a main theme and point of inspiration for herself and for her work. One zine which won her best illustrator in her graduating class at OCAD was called Third Space. It was talking about like non-binary space and um, sort of like duality within spaces. I talked about Spaces like a beauty parlor, for example, and how that is a space that sort of upholds like beauty standards that are not the best, but at the same time, it's a way for women to empower themselves. It can be both those things, I guess, and it is. My favorite part of that zine talks about soccer and reads, quote, escaping socioeconomic limitations, spaces like the soccer field become a great equalizer around the world from the poorest third world countries to the richest, end quote. Like Mira, Misbah explains these themes in her art are a reflection of herself. Makes sense with the work I make too, because I do talk about liminality a lot, because I just like floating in between these two worlds. This feeling of in-betweenness has led Misbah to not be as comfortable with her hybridity. She feels she is one person with her parents trying to be their version of a Muslim daughter, and the artist Misbah, who is carefree, creative, and has her own ways and ideas to practice Islam. This has resulted in her trying to keep these two parts of her life separate, even though she recognizes it is very difficult. I feel like like most South Asian people in Canada, maybe not, 
some, I should say, I guess, who your family wishes you are versus who you actually are, are two very different people. So you just are two different people. And then so I like, it definitely bleeds through, but yeah, I don't know. I try to keep that part of my life like separate. I relate to these experiences as someone who's had to battle with her parents to get recognition for her craft. It's difficult to make sense of yourself with this lack of support. And Ms. and I talked at length about this, connecting over this conflicting feeling of not wanting to disappoint our parents, but also trying to live our lives the way we see best. Mizba did find support elsewhere, from a community of artists in Toronto. We'll talk more about the importance of community and collaboration in the next episode. With Mizba and Mira, we see how hybridity can manifest itself in different and complicated ways. There is no static way to express one's hybridity, and it is in constant evolution and change. For Mizba, her art continues to speak to parts of her Canadianness and Pakistaniness, as she keeps drawing from her trip to Pakistan. I definitely pull inspiration from like my background. Right now, I'm looking up trees from like Pakistan because I was like curious what they look like, and then at the same time, I'm like drawing birds that are local to Ontario. These artists showcase who they are and their hybridity within their art, both in strong and subtle ways. Migration plays an important role in their identity and fosters their hybridity within their art, many times unsettling their sense of self in the process. However, art acts as a point of grounding for these two creatives and becomes a way to express themselves and their feelings. Well, that's it for this first episode. Next episode, I'll introduce you to three new artists and we'll talk more about identity and art, but also about community and resilience. I want to thank Mira Sethi and Mizba Ahmed for speaking with me and allowing me to share these interviews. Thanks for listening. I'm Mumta Menhas, and talk to you soon.